This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Winmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are here for another edition of the Primetime Podcast, right here on Most Valuable Podcast. And Brandon, this is where we talk. I know you know, I should really be talking to them. Your one-stop shop for everything in college football and college basketball. And this will be the first day, or the first week, following back-to-back big boards. And we are not doing a big board today, Brandon, so I surprised you today. Um, We're not... Uh, originally, it was supposed to be NBA big board, NFL big board, and then back to the NBA big board. And then we're just going to alternate those all through the year. But I decided to send a good business model, and we should probably talk about other things that are going on in college football. Yeah, I would have walked. <laughs> Brian's like, I already did that two weeks ago, Ricky. I don't have to do that again. I'm not switching off. Week after week after week after week on big boards. But if you want to check out those big boards, you can. They're on the channel, on podcast services around the world, and on YouTube, and on the Fast Break. We put out our first mock draft for the NBA. So there's a ton of draft content. We're even talking about draft today. Before I get into what we're going to talk about, quick housekeeping here at the beginning. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast to help support the channel. $10. You can join a podcast here on most valuable podcast. Number two, you can support us by getting yourself an MVP t-shirt that is down below in the description or at most valuable podcast.com where you can catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, please Go on to Apple Podcasts and iTunes, and like the great host I am, did not check if we got a new review heading into this week, so I will do it now live on the podcast as I always do. And nope, it is still Tutu Boivier, who is our latest review. He gave us the five-star rating, so thank you again to Tutu Boivier. And also, I think Dan H. was the one before that ND fan. Thank you guys for the reviews. If you want to go give us a rate and review, that would be great and would really help us out today. Brandon, we're finally, after how many weeks it's been announced, we're finally going to look at the uh, college football playoff after we looked at two straight big boards um, the past two weeks. Then we're going to take a look at Urban Meyer and his retirement. I know you did a nice piece on That's What I Think with Brandon Swanee Swanson about the Michigan side and kind of referenced the Urban Meyer retirement in there, but we're going to look at Ohio State, what it means for OSU, what does it mean for the Big Ten, and then we're going to wrap everything up. Taking a look at Kyler Murray, he's a guy where Dave even said this weekend, could he Bo Jackson it and play baseball and football at the same time? Also, there's news from Adam Schefter that even if he goes to baseball, NFL teams will still draft him in the NFL draft. But let's start it off with the college football playoff. We have not talked about it yet on the Primetime Podcast. We've got two big games. We've got ND Clemson. We've got Oklahoma, Alabama, the four teams that are going to make up this playoff. Before we look at either game, I just want to ask you, because I have not asked you yet, what were your initial thoughts when these four teams were announced? Well, uh, initial thoughts were Alabama, obviously, mm-hmm. Clemson, mm-hmm. obviously, Duh. Notre Dame, obviously, and Oklahoma. You got lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that that's that those those are my thoughts because if, if if you look at it, there could have been a very very and there was a good case made mm-hmm. for why the Georgia Bulldogs could be back in there I would again. Put them in. It, it, I mean, I it, it made it made sense. I think that there were plenty of people who would try and make the case that Ohio State could have been in as well. But I I think that. The case was stronger for the Georgia Bulldogs over 
the Oklahoma Sooners mm-hmm. just because of the season that Georgia had had, the way that they had played so toughly against mm-hmm. Alabama, and that was their that was their one loss in the that was pardon me that was their second loss, but in the uh, SEC championship game, I th- I think that there there could have been a really good case made there because of possibly some better teams that they had played, but this is what we're getting, and I'm completely fine with it. I, I just think that uh, Georgia, you know, d- obviously deserved a, a chance there, but uh, you know, there as people will say, well, so many teams, UCF deserved a chance. Well, I right? mean, that's what they say. I'll be honest with the UCF thing. The thing I was most upset about is not them getting in. What I hated was before the so before conference championship week, the balls on the committee to go, hey, we're gonna put this team, this team, this team that's all playing. Oh, and right before UCF, we're gonna put Michigan so that if it does, that was basically the committee saying if all hell breaks loose and Texas wins. And and OSU loses, and this team loses. There is no way that UCF is getting in. I saw that, and I was like, that pissed me off heading into it. Then I like for me, Oklahoma and Oklahoma fans are going to hate me right here. I would not have. They would have been the third team that I would have selected for that fourth spot. I would have put Georgia or Ohio State in over them. And the reason being, I know that a lot of people are going to have it. I had this mini argument with Sean where, but Ricky, their only loss was to Texas and it was close. And then they avenged that loss this past week. Yeah, but two things. First off, Georgia has played, and this is an SEC argument here. So I get how people are going to be like, yeah, obviously the SEC is tougher. But Georgia's two losses against a really good LSU team. I know they they lost the, their last game in how many overtimes, Brandon? It took them seven overtimes to lose a game against Texas A&M. So, I mean, it takes a lot for these on teams. On the road. On, on the road. And they lose to a good LSU team in Death Valley. Then they lead against Alabama, probably the toughest opponent that Alabama has played all year. Give them a run, however still lose. I look at that and go... They lost two. Yeah, they lost two games, but they were way tougher opponents than what Oklahoma was going up against. And then the whole Ohio State argument, I know people are going to say, Ricky, but they lost to Purdue, and Purdue blew them out. All right, how many other teams in the playoffs in years past have had a bad game early on and have made up for it late? You don't think that blowing out the number four team in the country, yeah, I know it was at home, but blowing out the number four team in the country can make up for being blown out by Purdue. If you're going to use the same argument of Oklahoma getting the revenge, if you're going to use the argument of, hey, Oklahoma got their revenge over their only loss, I think Buckeye fans can sit there and go, we blew out Michigan, who is the number four team in the country. That pushes the Purdue loss off the table because it basically says, hey, I know we got blown out in that game. But you gave us a top four team, a playoff team, technically, and we blew them out of the water. That's why I would have put Georgia or Michigan above them and Oklahoma. Like, I agree with you. They got lucky. But, like, we'll look at that game first. They get Alabama. They get the toughest opponent. To me, 
the toughest opponent of the four. What are your thoughts going into Alabama, Oklahoma? Well, my very first thought is Tua needs to be at his best. And I don't know if we're going to see a 100% healthy Tua Tagovailoa. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's going to be 100%, but he's going to play, obviously. But it also is, I will say, it is comforting to know that Jalen Hurts is behind him and capable to be able to get the job done. And it's just so crazy. Like, comes in the last game. Oh, I'm here, 53-yard touchdown. Well, it's just so crazy how last season... It was Tua coming in to relieve mm-hmm. Jalen and doing an outstanding job to win mm-hmm. the national title game. And then Jalen coming in to replace Tua, who got hurt, different situation. But Tua wasn't even having his best game, of course, but he gets hurt. Jalen comes in, and he is able to take Alabama to a victory in the SEC championship game. But this game is going to be about... There, there's two great offenses. We know that. We have seen... These offenses, Alabama, outside of that Georgia win in the SEC championship game, beat every team by at least 22 points. It was not close. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma, they put up tons of points. Kyler Murray, 40 touchdown passes on the season to a 37. These are two defenses that are high flying and do well every single week. It's not about the... Did I say it's two defenses or it's two teams? What did I say? Did I say two defenses? I don't know what I said. Two offenses. I don't know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I'm very tired. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it's the defenses. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to be the biggest factor in this game. Alabama is one of the toughest. They are number two in defensive efficiency. Oklahoma, 91st in defensive efficiency. Big difference. Mm -hmm. Big difference between those two. Alabama is just so tough on the quarterback. They they will come at you. They will beat you in the secondary. I mean, it is really crazy what this Alabama defense throws at you and the different Mm -hmm. looks that they give. For Oklahoma, I don't know if they're smaller, undersized, and I just think kind of undermatched corners can handle these Alabama wide receivers Mm -hmm. and they've got plenty and they'll throw them all at you and they can all make plays at any time in the ball game. That's why I just think Alabama has a bit of an edge. The defense for Oklahoma, we know it. It's not the best. It's not that great. I already Mm -hmm. said 91st in efficiency. Alabama's defense is outstanding. There's not much that they let let go on mm-hmm. and we've seen that throughout the year I mean even you look in the in the Georgia game in the SEC championship game it wasn't the best game that they played all year but it was a bend but don't break defense and when Alabama's still winning on that you know it's it's a well, it's a good game and that's why for me there's I'm thinking in my head there's one key I have for each opponent in order to win these games for Oklahoma it's easy limit the big plays and not only because Alabama can hit you with big plays. Like, Alabama's offense is kind of, I don't want to say unique, but they do a really good job at we're going to, A, control the tempo, and then when we see a big play, boom, we're going to hit you with it. Like, we're going to gut punch you with a big play to where you're sitting there going, holy crap, what just happened? Like, what was that? What are we doing? And this Oklahoma defense, I am not stellar with it. I know a lot of people are probably like, well, duh, Ricky. It's not the strong suit of this team. 
And for Alabama, the main, and this goes for offense and defense, control the tempo. If the offense can, if Alabama's offense can use the running backs effectively, the stable of running backs that they have to control the tempo, control the game, eat up a lot of time of possession, and Tua can be efficient and not turn over the football, that's half the battle right there with the control the tempo. The other one is defensively. You cannot let Oklahoma's offense be Oklahoma's offense. And I know that's easier said than done because they got a guy called Kyler Murray who can make plays like it's his dang job. Like I was watching, I think it was the West Virginia game. He's there in the pocket. He's gone. And it's like, oh, they're going to tackle him. And that's a 53-yard scramble for a touchdown. Like that is the kind of player that they are playing against. So if they can control Oklahoma's tempo and not let that offense get to that up-tempo play that they want to, because I feel like a lot of people are going to use the, it, I don't want to say excuse, but the kind of, they're going to compare it to last year's Rose Bowl game, where basically they're going to say, well, Oklahoma played an SEC opponent with a tough D, and it came down to overtime. It was 54-48. to 48. And the only thing I would say is, yes, you're right, but Georgia didn't do a great job of controlling that tempo. They kind of let Oklahoma score at will almost to where, and yes, there were a lot of big plays on both sides, to where they needed big plays from Sony Michelle, from Nick Chubb, from Jake Fromm in order to win that game. I think Alabama is going to be a little bit different. That defense is going to be able to not shut down basically the Adrian Peterson model of you can't stop me, you can only hope to contain me. They're going to contain Kyler Murray. The offense is going to keep the ball away from that Oklahoma offense, and they're going to chew up clock. They're going to take their punches when they can, and I believe Alabama's offense will expose the defenses of Sooners could be a close one, and by close I mean like 35-17, to 17, but I am without a doubt the most confident that Oklahoma does not win this game against Alabama in the semifinal. I, I think that the two keys for me, for Oklahoma it's going to be Kyler Murray, of course. For Alabama it's that defensive front. It's Isaiah mm-hmm. Bugs, Quentin Williams, Jaquan Davis, um, Anthony Jennings. Mac Wilson, it's going to be those guys and the pressure that they're able to put on. I mean, we talked about uh, Quinn and Williams last week because we were talking about him for the big board, mm-hmm. and he's definitely one that has uh, risen in ours. He has been so lethal for Alabama, but so many of these guys have been. I think that if they are able to bring everything that they've brought throughout the season and throw everything at Kyler Murray... It's going to be a very off night for the Heisman Trophy winner. You want to know something funny? What's that? Out of since the playoff has been in effect, do you want to know the most points that Alabama has given up in a semifinal game? Because they've been in it since the beginning. Sure. 2014. The first year we had the playoff when Ohio State beat them 42-25. to Ever since then, 2015, they beat that, oh, that Michigan State team that had no business being there, 38 to nothing. I remember watching that game going, why am I even watching this game? Then that Washington game that Sean wanted to watch, 24 to 7, 
Yeah, they only gave up seven points to Washington. And then last year, the game that we talked about a few weeks ago, where we were like, yeah, man, that Rose Bowl was great. Can't wait to watch the Sugar Bowl between Alabama and Clemson. Part three, this is going to be awesome. And it was 24-6. to Like, Clemson only got six points on them. I know this Oklahoma team is different, and I know Oklahoma fans are going to be either turning it off at that point or yelling at me profusely or typing in the comment section. But Alabama, except for the first year the playoff was in existence, has usually kept their opponents in check and have dominated in semifinal games. And to me, yes, Oklahoma has an opportunity to be like that Ohio State team because that Ohio State team was special. You had Cardell Jones that was not playing school and he was going out there and balling at the quarterback position. You had Zeke with the crop top trying to do everything he could to win them a national title that year, which they did. However, I just I, I feel like it goes back to when we make our picks, and I know people are going to see this as a cop out, a cop out, but the Alabama rule, I don't think they're going to lose until I actually see them lose this year. That is how good they have been all year for me. But like, I also, but I also don't think that Oklahoma's seen any defense like Alabama, and it's well, not a thing. It's, it's it's an I know, I know they uh-huh. haven't. They've seen defenses like. West Virginia. Mm-hmm. They've seen defenses like Texas. Texas probably being the I mean, best defense they've Texas seen. Texas would be the toughest they've seen all year. I mean, they've th- that's that's what they get. They get mm-hmm. uh, you know the the defense of Texas Tech, the defense of of Oklahoma State. Not good defenses. Mm-hmm. Not defenses that you go, wow. You know they are really going to hold the team down. That's that's not the case. Alabama will do absolutely that. And the other one, let's jump into the other semifinal game. This game, to me, I think is going to be our Georgia Oklahoma game from last year, Clemson and Notre Dame. This game will be, and I'll, I'd put my money on it, the best semifinal game. It will be the most entertaining, and probably will not be a blowout because for me, I look at it and it's kind of like not a David versus Goliath situation. But for me, the the big thing I want to see is Clemson's offense with Trevor Lawrence going up against Notre Dame's defense. That's what I want to see because Clemson, the last three games, 35 against Duke, 56 against South Carolina, 42 against Pitt in the ACC title game. And you look at the last three opponent scores for Notre Dame, 13 points by Florida State, three points by a good Syracuse team, and then 17 points on the road in Southern Cal. That's the matchup I'm looking for. Fighting Irish D, Tiger offense, have those two clash. Whoever wins that battle is going to win this football game. Well, in all honesty, I think in a, a there's a bit of a, a mirror image of mm-hmm. the two. It's like they're playing themselves. Because you, I mean, you, Clemson's you, got a good defense, too. You look at it where... Notre Dame, mm-hmm. good quarterback in Ian Book. Really good quarterback in Ian Book. He's he's really come along. Still has his mistakes here and there, but strong quarterback. Mm-hmm. Great, great running back um, for Notre Dame and Dexter Williams. 900, I was trying to look at his yards, 941 yards. Missed the first four games of the season. And that's, what he, that's still what he was able and, to rack up. And 12 tutties. Then you look at the... Defense for mm-hmm. Notre Dame. Great front line. 
they've got some cornerbacks who can definitely go up and 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 be matched up with any wide receiver you put out there. Mm-hmm. Then you look at Clemson. Good quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Good running back and uh, ETN. Good defensive front. They are each other. I mean, it's 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 like they're looking in the mirror when they're playing each other. And I know maybe to a to and, a lesser extent. And they've got but, the ultimate veteran on their team who has been there for how many playoff games and national championships in Hunter Renfro. The <laughs> ultimate college veteran on their team. I just I look at this and I think that you said that this is going to be our Georgia Oklahoma game from last year. I think that you could be right because there are so many similarities in mm-hmm. both of these teams. Now are they exactly similar? No, they are not. But there's so many things that you can pinpoint where both defenses are going to be tough. Both quarterbacks are going to have to get a little crafty and and maybe not be as comfortable as what they usually like to be and mm-hmm. be willing to to move more, uh, a little bit more. Book going to have to to roll out, maybe use his legs. Lawrence may have to do the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. How are they going to be throwing on the run? How accurate will they be there as they're flush from the pocket? Running backs, is the running game going to be strong or is that defensive front on both sides going to... Uh, really, really stuff that ground game. I mean, you look at that, the the question that arises for Notre Dame Mm -hmm. is the same question for me that's arising for Clemson. Which is? That. It's it's just that. Mm -hmm. It's what I asked before. Okay. Is what are you, you know... All, all those things. I'll be honest. It's did the, not hear the question because he doesn't listen. I, I'm, but, I'm trying. But um, it, it's it's that. Is your quarterback going to be accurate? Mm-hmm. Is your quarterback going to be able to to move from the pocket when they're when they're pressured? So is basically, your whoever, running back. Going, I mean, it's the same question for both because whoever doesn't turn over the football, basically, whichever quarterback. I mean, that's what it always comes. Over. That's what it always comes down to. The comment, but I mean, like for me, I look at it and like, especially from the Clemson side. You got a guy in Trevor Lawrence who only threw four picks this year. Very, very good at not turning over the football. If that becomes a problem, like, and and that's even a question I would have on top of yours is, can Notre Dame force him? Because that's the thing I love about football. Both both levels. NFL, college, it's a one game. You get one game to get the better of your opponent. If you screw up, you're done. Dead in the water. And the thing is, and you would probably maybe say, well, yeah, they can, but will the Fighting Irish defense be able to force Lawrence into turnover, something that he hasn't done all year? You know what? I think they could because look back to the Syracuse game. Mm-hmm. I know that that's a game where he got knocked out, mm-hmm. but even look before that, he was struggling. He was not playing well. And again, I know people will say, well, that was still early on. That was still early on. He wasn't as You're into, talking Clemson, in, Syracuse, not... Notre Dame, Syracuse. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Just wanted to double check. Because when I said Trevor Lawrence, yeah. he plays for Clemson. Um, but uh, that's that's what I would look to mm-hmm. because that game was a game again that Syracuse could have definitely won. And I, I I'll mention that yes, Lawrence was still fairly new to the starting role. Yes, um, he got hurt, and it ended up going over to the backup. To it was not Kelly Bryant. It was who was uh, Bryce who who ended up going off and doing enough to get mm-hmm. them the win, but he struggled. He was he was not getting anything going. That offense was not moving. So what did they end up doing? They ended up just trying to go to the ground game as much as they possibly could, mm-hmm. and that's what they ended up using to be the winning factor against Syracuse. 
because they wore down the Syracuse defense so much. Travis Etienne wore down the Syracuse defense to a point where in the fourth quarter, 10-yard run, 7-yard run, 12-yard run, 14-yard run. It was just chunk gains Mm -hmm. against Syracuse's defense. So Notre Dame, if they can definitely slow down Trevor Lawrence, they can certainly get him to into a position where he turns over the football. Mm-hmm. That is that is something that they can do. Yes, it's been done before. And also Ian Book needs to be careful with the football. He's also had some games where he hasn't been the most careful with the football. Look back mm-hmm. to the Pitt game. They did not play he did not play all that well in that game against Pitt. It was mm-hmm. a game where he did have some turnovers and he was not very careful with the football. Both of these quarterbacks, both of these young starter quarterbacks need to definitely be conscious of what they're doing with the football, where they're going with the mm-hmm. football, and making good, solid throws. If they do not, it will be turnover city. These defenses, they're not very forgiving. Yeah, and I mean, you say both defenses, like I mentioned at the beginning, where I'm like, Clemson's offense versus Notre Dame's defense. I look back to, I'm going to bring up a game as well, because the thing with that Syracuse game that you mentioned the thing that I kind of want to say, and this might be an excuse, but I'm still going to throw it out anyways, is up until that game, we didn't really know who the starter was going to be, really. Like, that was the first time where it was like, all right, Kelly Bryant is out of the picture. He is leaving the team. He is going to transfer. It is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is officially the guy, and we don't have to care. Because, like, even the game before, like, Kelly Bryant got in through 10 passes, but the game before all through 10 passes to where we still had that weight of like, well, is Kelly Bryant going to take the job? Are they going to give the keys officially to the young kid? And with Clemson's defense, I feel like that's one thing where I don't know who I want to pick in this game because I like Notre Dame. I like their defense. They've impressed me this year. There have been many times this year where I'm like, This will be the game they lose. The Syracuse game was one of them, and they won every single one of them. But like with Clemson, and here's the last thing I want to throw in about this matchup, not only is Clemson and these players more familiar with being in a playoff game, what comes with it, because it's a lot different than a regular week-to-week, plus the off time that you're getting – from now until when you have to play, the constant, like, it's the only thing on your mind, and are you going to overthink it a little bit? Like, they know what to do. They know the drill. This is the third year that they've been in the playoff, and two of those years they were a national championship team. Is this going to come down to coaching? Is this going to come down to basically, yes, the teams are good, but Dabo Sweeney, better coach than Brian Kelly, and Clemson gets the win. Like, is that going to be the storyline a little bit at the end of it? Because maybe that's just me putting my opinion into it. If I had to give a edge to either coach, I would give the edge to Dabo Sweeney in this game. I would do the same thing. I feel like these are the types of games where Brian Kelly just gets outcoached. I mean, you look to 2012, I don't think that that was necessarily. I don't. Game? Yes, I don't think that that was necessarily Brian Kelly getting out coached. I think that was just 
Alabama, Alabama, really good. Alabama was very good, and Notre Dame was just not on the same talent level. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame is now much better with the talent that they have today mm-hmm. than they were in 2012 against that Alabama team. Now, if Notre Dame were to win and beat Clemson and move on to play what could be an Alabama team, I think that you're still looking at Alabama being better talent-wise than Notre Dame, but I think the gap is closer. But these are the games where Brian Kelly needs to show that it's that he is truly a good coach, that he truly has thought of everything, that mm-hmm. he has brought it all to the table, and that he doesn't get out coached. Because again, I feel like these are the games where he easily finds a way to get out coached. Do I have any examples off the top of my head? No, I do not. But I feel like these are the games, these bigger games that, whether it's mm -hmm. a playoff game or not, or just a a game that is crucial, these are the games where he just ends up getting out coached. Here, let me give you a little bit of what's going on in my head. Is I feel like this, unless Notre Dame wins it all, I feel like this could be a no matter it. Any possibility besides them winning it all, lose-lose for Brian Kelly. Because maybe it's because the Oklahoma-Alabama game, in my head, I see no, like, Avengers Infinity War. When Doctor Strange is sitting there looking at all the possibilities, there's no possibility in my head where I see Lincoln Riley, Kyler Murray, and Oklahoma beating Alabama. Like, zero in my head. But I don't have the time stone, so that's just my head. Because of that, I feel it's a lose-lose unless he wins it all. Because if he loses to Dabo Sweeney, everyone goes, oh, look, he just can't he can't win the big game, Brandon. Brian Kelly can't win the big game. Get rid of him. Then if he loses to Nick Saban, either one of two things happens. Notre Dame fans go into panic mode because it's like, Alabama, Alabama. Last time we played Alabama, this is what happened. And they just go into panic mode. Or it goes, hmm, I know he beat Dabo Sweeney. But he can't beat Nick Saban. He can't beat Nick Saban. We got to get somebody who can beat a coach like that. Like, and that's why for me, I feel like unless they win it all, this could be. I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but I feel like the fire with fans and media might still be there in some capacity, no matter if they lose against Clemson or lose against Alabama. Hell, if he loses against Oklahoma and it's Oklahoma uh, Notre Dame, that could be even worse than losing to Nick Saban. Because if you lose to Nick Saban, you can at least go, well, you know, it is Nick Saban in Alabama. Like, were we really going to beat them? And you could kind of use that kind of a denial statement to make yourself feel better. And see, this is where I'm kind of completely different than you are. I think because Brian Kelly has gotten them to the playoff, Mm -hmm. he is completely safe. He made the move early on in the season from Brandon Wimbush over to Ian Book. He made that move. It has turned out to be a wonderful move. With Brandon Wimbush, they would have not won every single mm-hmm. game this season. They would not have won even some of those games down the stretch. They wouldn't have done it. The games where they were not playing teams with a ranking next to them, with mm-hmm. a number next to them, they would not have won every single one of those games. Yeah. I can guarantee you that with Brandon Wimbush. And then and, Ohio and, State would have been. And Ian Book, the guy that Kelly changes to, does do it. I mean, really showed that it was a great decision by Brian Kelly. Great move by Kelly. Mm -hmm. Then that move ends up getting them to the, earning them a spot in the playoff. His job is safe. 
even if he loses this first game against Clemson, his job's safe mm-hmm. because Clemson, a team that's been in the last four years, they've won. I think that uh, even a loss here, people are going to be disappointed. Notre Dame's going to mm-hmm. feel like, well, what is it that we have to do to get over that hump to, to get back to the national championship game and hopefully eventually win one? But I really don't think they'll be looking at the head coach. Brian Kelly, I mean, I've been a guy who's against Brian mm-hmm. Kelly at a lot of turns. I'm... I have nothing bad to say about and, Brian Kelly to this uh, this season. And I'm not saying that if you lose this game, fire him. I'm just saying for the Kelly, the Brian Kelly haters, the non-supporters of Brian Kelly, if he loses more so to Clemson, if he loses this game to Clemson, the biggest thing that eventually down the line, unless it changes, will have to be can he when we get there can he win? Because even in bowl games, like, and I know that most bowl games besides semifinals and then BCS national championship games don't really matter. Um, but you look at it right now, this will be the eighth one that he's in. He is four and three in them. And that national championship game is an L on that record. That's just one thing that kind of floats on in my head. The last thing I want to ask you before we move on has nothing to do with these two teams. It is basically, and prediction-wise, we will wait and give our predictions um, when we make the bowl picks. I feel like it'll be kind of goofy to make predictions now and kind of spoil that um, when we're going to have picks videos coming out all through through bowl season. Last question I want to ask you has to do with bowls in general, though. And I saw a video clip this weekend as I was starting the draft profile thumbnails um, for the draft profiles I'm going to do for the NFL um, this summer, well, this spring, really. Um, and one of the articles was I was looking up Justice, Justice Hill and if he's going to play in their bowl game. And they asked Gundy about it, about, like, the history, like the future of bowl games. I want to ask you really quick before we move on into Urban Meyer, what do you think the history of bowl games, the future of bowl games will be now that we are seeing it is just becoming common nature for, like, Noah Fant, Justice Hill, all these underclassmen who are going to the draft, screw playing in this bowl game. I'm not getting hurt. I'm going to get my money. Will this eventually be something that is so prevalent that it will kill the bowl games not named a semifinal or national championship? Well, I can tell you my my complete opinion of it and it's been one that i've had for a long time i think they're useless i think so many of these bowls are useless it's all it is all they're trying to do is keep sponsors happy and and make some money for Mm -hmm. their for their team and for their conference that's all they're doing and i get it but it's not exciting let me say that it's not exciting no one Mm -hmm. wants to go watch because the, the players the, don't see the, no one money. wants to go watch the purple cactus ball mm-hmm. you know sponsored by r and d l motor oil you know it's just <laughs> dumb i'll you, be honest with you it's dumb there's a red box bowl this year i know <laughs> i know but my, the 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 thing is Brandon that says that with so much excitement there is no outside of outside of the yeah michigan ne- state Oregon. the the two semifinal games and mm-hmm. and maybe the New Year's Six Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's it. I mean, 
even those, I think the only two games, the only two that matter, are the two being played between the four teams that we're talking about. Those are mm-hmm. the only ones that matter. The rest of them, personally, why? Why? To give some teams who who, who couldn't make it another win to feel better? Mm-hmm. What's it going to do for them? Zero things. I mean, the new, and, and, and then, the and, new Year Six I do like because we sometimes get those matchups between like Usually in the past, it's been like big power fives going up. Yes, but so what does it do? But what does it the... do? But what does it do for you? What does Just, it do for them? Usually, it's giving what me it, a good match. And what is to watch. it? But what does it do for them? It does nothing for the players. It doesn't do. It does anything. nothing for the players. It does nothing for the coaches because the next game that they're going to play is the next season with different players and different things happening. The, the only nothing. argument I can make for the players is. For the ones who are not going to go to the NFL, it gives them one last college game to play. I guess you could say that. But it doesn't do anything in the sense of, like, the game doesn't mean anything. If Oklahoma loses in a Rose Bowl game, it doesn't matter unless it's a semifinal game. And then uh, they're and then they're also handing out bowls to teams that have mm-hmm. won five games. Let me ask and you it's, this: and, and, and it's like, wh- why does this team deserve a bowl? So you can get more more sponsors mm-hmm. in for more money. That's exactly it. I let get me, it. But let it's, me ask you this: then. it's 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 terrible. Because Gundy then went on to say this, and this is the last thing I'll ask you. He said that he could he does see it in his head that one day we will get a player who is a high enough pick, and will say. Yeah, I know my team's in the playoff. I ain't going to play. I like my draft stock. I ain't going to play. I ain't going to get hurt. Do you think that ever happens? Does a player ever skip out on the playoff games because they're going to be a high enough pick and don't want to get injured for their playoff ga- in their playoff games? No. No, I don't think so. Because I, 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 I don't either. I don't think so. Um, but I also, I'll be honest with you, I was also surprised that... Nick Bosa mm-hmm. chose to just n- not even just well he ain't not here pl- to play school but but just completely yeah. withdraw from school well that's like, a Bo- I, I, that's a Bosa I, I, thing to do I didn't think I could just see the Bosas doing that I didn't think that we'd see something like that either mm-hmm. but I guess when you're that good and you know that you're going to be the, a number, number one, one pick mm-hmm. one through three pick let's you know say he falls to two spots mm-hmm. but. I, I guess you can, but even Leonard Fournette, I think, would have played if his team was in the national championship. Mm-hmm. He would have. Yeah. Or I mean, like I just, a, I just don't like a Christian. Eh, Christian McCaffrey was. He ended up being higher than he was supposed to, but like Christian McCaffrey would have played if Stanford was in the. Playoff. I just can't. I can't see that. I mm-hmm. can't see that because you're if you're a competitor. I know that some people will say, "Well, if you're a competitor, you just want to play anytime." <laughs> But if you're stop. if you're but if you're a competitor you get and you have a national championship on mm-hmm. the line before you leave college, you're you're playing mm-hmm. in the game. No, I totally you're playing agree. in the game. So I, I just but I do I think the rest of the bowls I think there's too many with too many teams that no one cares about. Mm-hmm. I don't think the ratings for that are good. <laughs> it does nothing. It really mm-hmm. does nothing. And 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 how anyone could disagree, I don't get it. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let's know anything about anything about the. Alabama-Oklahoma game, about the Clemson-Notre Dame game, even the fun question I asked Brandon at the end of it um, because I knew that it would get a good rise out of Brandon, and it was something that I was thinking about. Like, could you imagine if we got rid of the pointless bowl games? Because I'll be honest, as a kid, like when I was in high school, even like eighth grade, 
it was fun to like, oh, Central Michigan and Northern Iowa. I didn't even know who these teams were. It was just fun to watch a football game. And sometimes those were the great games because they were playing like grade schoolers out there. And as a young kid, I loved it. But as I get older, um, things that once gave me fun don't give me fun anymore. And that is the just terrible thing about becoming an adult. But let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. But, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And what we are looking at is Urban Meyer. And he is retiring from football. I'm using air quotes because we we don't know. He could be back in two years. We don't know if this is retiring because of all the drama that was going on this season, if it's because what the announced reason from him was that it was his health, which we know he's had that. And if it is, we want him to basically be healthy. And if coaching football is not healthy for him, want him to be healthy. But what we're looking at here is with Ohio State and the Big Ten. Obviously, this is a retirement that is going to shake up more than just Ohio State. It's going to shake up the Big Ten. It's going to actually shake up also D1 football because the playoff race could be affected in years to come because of this retirement by Urban Meyer. So the first thing I want to ask you has to do with Ohio State. What does Urban Meyer's retirement mean for the Buckeyes moving forward? Well, I think it means that they're going to move past a little bit of a rough patch in their history. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened this past year with Urban Meyer and Zach Smith and all of that unfortunate Do you think that played information. Into it? I think that that along with just another season where they didn't have the end result that they wanted. And I think that because they they lo- lose to a they lose to a team like a Purdue who sh- really had no business beating them mm-hmm. in the way that they did. And I think that he's just tired. I think he's just tired. And I and I I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going to be next for Urban Meyer. I don't know if he's completely done with coaching forever. I I don't know what he's what he'll do next. But I think that I thought that the breakup needed to happen much earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. But I thought that he needed to be fired. So now he's not fired. He leaves on his own. They give him that. Which I think is better for his legacy that he's it's not It's better fired. for his legacy, but he leaves on the same season mm-hmm. where this comes out. Yeah. It is still going to be part of his legacy. Not he'll, saying it's not a never, coincidence. He'll never be able to shake this. Mm-hmm. But it looks... Because people will always see mm-hmm. Urban Meyer as the great Florida coach. Mm-hmm. And then they'll see Urban Meyer as, yeah, the coach at Ohio State who left because of this. And now I know that people will also say he, you know, he won with the Buckeyes and he carried them to all of these mm-hmm. Big Ten title games and championships and this and that and the other thing. But he leaves because he was just tired of all of. What was happening probably weighing on him and his family, and that's why he goes. This this is not going to be a good comment for me to say because it's going to be a lot of insinuating, um, but I'm going to say it anyways. I wonder if, remember earlier in the year 
where Ohio State had to make a decision about Urban Meyer, whether to fire him or not. I wonder if they went to him and said, hey, Urban, we don't want, like, we have to fire you. You understand that. But we don't want to be kind of an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, you've been you've been a good coach for us. We respect you overall. Let's help each other out. We're not going to fire you and put that kind of stain on your resume and on your coaching legacy, although this stain is already there, if you agree kind of under the table to retire at the end of the season. And I wonder if that conversation was had. I would have loved to know if that conversation was had because if you think about it, it would make a lot of sense. Why at the time, a lot of people were like, what? How did he keep his job? Like, this is a fireable offense. And then you look now and it's probably like, oh, okay, I could see it. I mean, the health reasons, like, that's why we'll never know the real reason. Like and it, like I say, if it is the health reasons, that's very serious because I know that's why he retired from Florida in the past. But, like, you're seeing analysts now on, like, ESPN, Fox. They're saying, like, oh, in two years he'll be coaching again. Um, and I would be interested to see – is let's say two years from now, Brian Kelly gets fired. Will we see up oh, Urban Meyer is the new coach of the of the Fighting Irish? Because in my head, I wouldn't say like ninety percent chance, but I could see it. I could see like two years from now, Urban Meyer is coaching at blank school after just two or three years off. And see, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. I don't. So you think I don't. He really is I done. don't. I don't know if he'll want to go back out there again, mm-hmm. because I truly think that he's just tired. I. Th- I mean, he's not an old guy mm-hmm. by by any means. I mean, certainly, you know, look at uh, what what's his 54. name? Fifty four. Snyder with mm-hmm. uh, K State. He finally retiring mm-hmm. after ninety years. I mean, I think yeah, it's Urban Meyer turned fifty five in July. So he's not old, and. For for this guy to just be this, I think, kind of worn down mm-hmm. and worn out and to have a season get to him with everything that happened, the loss to Purdue, the I mean, even the the, the, the tough game against uh, against uh, Nebraska. And then, mm-hmm. yes, you have the big win at the end to get Michigan and to get Northwestern to be the Big Ten champs, but yet again, not getting to where you need to be. And, and and very well, Urban Meyer could have won the whole thing mm-hmm. and still then said, I'm going out. Mm-hmm. I'm luckily going out on a bang, but I'm still, I'm done. Yeah. But this is, this is something that someone could look at and say, well, this is going to have a huge effect mm-hmm. on Ohio State. This is going to kill them. Does it, though? But it doesn't. <laughs> but like, it doesn't because if you look at the only thing I could at, see it hurting is they're recruiting a little bit. Like that's it. I think that Ryan Day is so well prepared for this opportunity and he's very much what Ohio State needs at this point. He's not an Ohio guy. He didn't grow up uh all around Buckeye football. Ooh rah mm-hmm. rah, you know, the Ohio State guy. I mean, he it's not him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's coming from a completely different fold. 
and a completely different place in the cloth. He's a younger guy. I think he'll relate well to the players. I think that what he got, his little taste earlier this season of a head coach in college football with the offseason uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, a couple of weeks in the offseason, a couple of weeks to begin the year. Mm-hmm. I think that was a great taste for him. I think it's unfortunate how it came about, but really a good experience for him. He's got NFL experience. I think that Ryan Day is going to be good for this team. I think players will buy into him. Ryan Day, it sounds like, is going to keep a lot of the coaching staff and personnel in place, which is very good for Ohio State. And I do believe that you're going to have recruits still continuing to look at Ohio State as a program that, yes, maybe lost their Hall of Fame coach, Urban Mm -hmm. Meyer, but that does not mean that they're going to lose their talent. That does not mean that people are going to be refracted from Mm -hmm. playing at Ohio State because anything that did happen now Mm – is in the past, Two. and it there there are no sanctions that came down against Ohio. I mean, mm-hmm. this isn't a, a Penn State deal in terms of that. Yeah, no death This penalty. isn't Ole Miss in terms of that. Mm-hmm. This is just something that was very unfortunate for the team, but now Ryan Day is taking over, and I think we're still going to continue to see a powerhouse in the Big Ten. Well, and the thing that I look at is, and I'm bringing in now the rest of the Big Ten into this, and really two teams. Um, For me right now, if you would have asked me beginning of this year and said, oh, Ryan Day is going to be the next coach of the Buckeyes next year, I would have been panicking. But that was before we saw the three games, and I was wrong about Ryan Day. I doubted him almost every game except for Oregon State, and he showed me wrong. He went 3-0. and in those three games against uh, without Urban Meyer. So, proved me wrong. I can say that. Put my foot in my mouth squarely. My shoes don't taste good, if you were wondering. And I don't think that there's going to be a hiccup with Ohio State. However, the only way there's a hiccup is in recruiting, and the only way there's going to be a hiccup in recruiting is if Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin can beat Ryan Day. That's it. That's the only way. Like, this next year, I don't expect any of the 16 recruits right now to flip away from Ohio State because of this. However, if this next year, if he loses to James Franklin, if he loses to Jim Harbaugh, then we could be having different discussions. Because the main thing that is going to keep it, and this seems like another duh thing to say, but I'm going to say it, as long as they're winning— People will come like if you win, they will come. That is basically how it's going to work here. But once you start losing to Jim Harbaugh, once you start losing to James Franklin, they have an edge on you in the game, especially Jim Harbaugh. Once you lose to Jim Harbaugh, he can then use in recruiting pitches. You you don't want to play for them. They lose. We win. And he hasn't been able to do that since he got to Michigan. It's been, ah, you want to go there? I understand. They beat us every year. Like, that has what it's been. If that flips now without Urban Meyer, then we might see a little— it's not going to be like a huge just shift. It could be in ranking-wise. Um, but it, there will be a shift in recruits 
if Penn State and Michigan can now start to even the playing field rather than it be, man, Urban Meyer has really had Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin their numbers while he's been in the Big Ten. And it makes the Big Ten East, to me, a little bit more interesting now because Ryan Day, good coach, but it's not that same... I I, want to use the word dominance, but I think that might be too much. But it's not that same kind of impact that an Urban Meyer has on those games with Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. If Dwayne Haskins is still playing at Ohio State... Do you think he comes back? They're going to be solid. Do you think he comes back? I do. I do. I said that on the big board Mm -hmm. last week, and I think that he will come back because I think that he still believes that they have a chance with the team that they have in Mm -hmm. place to be playoff worthy Could and, they... and, and, and and have the team to do what they did last mm-hmm. this past year, to do what they've done the last couple of years, to really blow through the teams they need to, mm-hmm. beat Penn State, beat Michigan State, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten championship game. Why would you think otherwise at this point? I mean I mean really, mm-hmm. really if you're if you're Dwayne Haskins, why would you think otherwise? Why would you think that they couldn't do it? Yeah, I know that that was with Urban Meyer, but your your competition all the time poops their pants mm-hmm. and can and, and can never come up big against you, mm-hmm. especially in the Big Tenies. Look at look at history. Look at the last couple of seasons. They can't. We know Michigan can't do it. Penn State could, but that's when they had Saquon Barkley. This past year, if they didn't have Saquon Barkley, they mm-hmm. should have done it. They couldn't. Yeah. These teams. Lie down for Big Brother. <laughs> I cannot say that so enough. By the way, and I don't know if this is copyright infringement um, at all, but very Dan Patrick asked, you know what we should do? We should design a shirt that is like Ohio State theme, and it just says Big Brother on it. Dubbed by Brandon Swanson, because this is like the third or fourth video where you've just dubbed them as Big Brother. They you are. Used it at Mich- you used it with Michigan, and now you're using it with Penn State, too. Just Big Brother to all of them. Like just, and I, maybe we make a shirt that says it's just like the just the O, and inside it says bow down to Big Brother, and that's <laughs> it. I, th- I think Buckeye fans would eat that up and buy that shirt, but I don't know if there'd be any uh, <laughs> copyright infringements. With that, we'd have to check on that. But that's just what popped into my head. My very like T-shirts is what's on my mind right now. Although, yeah, I can uh, tell. I've got a, a ton of ideas with that. But I mean, with me, I just I feel like with Dwayne Haskins, the only way you do think about not staying is if you think like, oh man, without Urban Meyer, we can't win those games. And yes, you're right. I don't know if you're Dwayne Haskins, why you don't think that. But there's a part of me that's like, I wonder now without Urban Meyer, if Dwayne Haskins goes, all right, it's going to be different. And should I just go to the NFL this year? And I wonder if because of this retirement, there's a little bit more of a discussion now with his pro staying or going than there was before the retirement announcement was made. Although I do agree with you, I think he will end up coming back, although I wouldn't be surprised if he came out. First three games of the season, Urban Meyer wasn't coaching. It was Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. Oregon State, 77-31. Rutgers, 52-3. TCU, ranked 15 at the time, 40-28. to mm-hmm. That was no Urban Meyer. Dwayne Haskins played in those games. I don't think he would believe anything 
would be all that different because that was coaching under Ryan Day. I, I just don't believe that he would have the thought of this was going to be drastically different. Yeah, could things change? Mm-hmm. Sure, will guys leave? They'll graduate. They'll leave. They'll go to the NFL. But Dwayne Haskins, while he's there, I completely have faith that Ohio State is a playoff potential team. So I just looked it up. The last time Penn State beat Ohio State, do you remember what year it was? I do not. 2016. They won 24 to 21. And you want to know the big reason why they won that game? With about 427 left, they blocked a punt and returned it 60 yards for a touchdown. That flipped. It would have been 24 17 OSU, flipped it to 24 21 in favor of the Penn State Nittany. Well, that's, there's, that's no way that they could have done it. If 24 to 17. And, yeah. oh, and, and no, no, no. It was 21-17. Ohio State was kicking a field goal. So if Ohio State made it, they get three points. Yeah, so then it would have flipped to 24-21. to 21. You just misspoke. 24-21. You're right. You're right. I misspoke. 24-21, which was then the final score, where instead of Ohio State getting 24, mm-hmm. Penn State got 24, and then they won the game from there. That was the big play that won them the game because, like, Saquon Barkley— a measly 99 yards and one touchdown in that game. Uh, no, not even a touchdown. Just a measly 99 yards in that game. That was not a Saquon Barkley type of game. Trace McSorley, or as I call him, McSorley, had one touchdown through the air and one touchdown on the ground, and 63 of those yards came on the ground as they beat Ohio State, like I said, 21-21, or 24-21. Ricky, my final thoughts on this one is I, I, I really think – that Ohio State is going to continue to be a strong team in the so Big Ten. Mi- so Michigan doesn't get a win. I, I still I doesn't. Don't know. I it's going <laughs> to to me, Harbaugh is going to have to step up his game even more mm-hmm. now because he doesn't necessarily know Ryan Day and his scheme. Now, will it change drastically? Mm-hmm. Probably not. But it's now Ryan Day's team. Mm-hmm. It's not Ryan Day coaching under Urban Meyer. It's Ryan Day. How do you want to? How do you want to run it? Ryan Day is an offensive-minded guy, but he's also a younger guy. Maybe trying to get a little bit more creative. Might added some more plays into the mix. That's possible. But now Harbaugh needs to learn mm-hmm. a new guy. Needs to figure out a new guy in his system and how he's going to do it. And it's also always about not the coaching. The talent that you have on the field. And just an update from Jim Harbaugh. This was tweeted by Shefty himself a day ago. Jim Harbaugh told ESPN that he won't leave Michigan for NFL. And he quotes, we have big plans here at Michigan, end quotes. So that was your final thoughts you said Mm -hmm. for this? I think that Ohio State will be fine. It'll be interesting, though, to see if Michigan and Penn State can now get a jump on Ohio State without Urban Meyer being there. However, I think this doesn't, like, the West doesn't get stronger because of this. It's just Michigan and Penn State now might be able to get back into, they, let's be honest, they were in the picture for the Big Ten East, but now Ohio State might not be that juggernaut that it was. It might just be a minor juggernaut and not a major juggernaut. But this is where you guys come in. 
Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section about Urban Meyer retiring, what it means for Ohio State, what it means for the Big Ten, what does it mean for college football in general, recruitment. Let us know everything down below in that comment section. And Brandon, let's move on. The next topic we're going to talk about, a little NFL draft, and this one could be a fun one. I think this is going to be a fun topic because this weekend, just kind of setting it up a little bit, Dave, when we were recording the fast break, asked Sean and I, could Kyler Murray Bo Jackson it? Could he play baseball, play football? And both Sean and I were like, Kyler Murray has come out and said he's going to play baseball. Like, he's committed to baseball. But there's, like, dumb and dumber, you're saying there's a chance, Brandon. There's a chance he could do both. The first thing we're going to talk about, should he give up the NFL for baseball? That's going to be the main topic. But I want to hit you with a question that I know Mark and I are going to touch in our mock draft, but I want to get your opinion right now. NFL side of it. You're an NFL GM. You need a quarterback. Do you have the balls to take Kyler Murray in the first round, although he's not 100% committed to football? I need a quarterback? You need, like let's badly. say you're like Jacksonville. Do you have the balls to take Kyler Murray, although you're not sure he's going to come over to you? And are you talking first round? First round. Nope. Okay. What about any team? Not quarterback needy. In the first round, no. In the first, so you don't think any team in the first round is going to have the cojones to say, yeah, we're going to take Kyler Murray. It's not about having the cojones. It's they just shouldn't. It's not a smart mm-hmm. move. Well, I kid, say the kid. The kid's already come out and said, yeah. that he is going to play baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's going to play baseball. Russell Wilson came out and said, I'm going to play football. Mm-hmm. He was drafted by a baseball team. What is Russell Wilson doing? And then traded to another baseball. Team. What is Russell Wilson doing right now? Football, and then he goes he, to spring training. Is he? Is he? But is he playing baseball? No. During the season? No. No. Exactly. Should let me ask you this then? Should Kyler Murray give up the NFL for baseball? What are your thoughts on this? You know, or should he Bo Jackson? Here's the thing. So apparently, he's better at baseball than he is at football, and that's not even. I don't see how that's <laughs> possible. But I think that Kyler Murray should do exactly whatever Kyler Murray wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is, I know, probably going to be seen by many as, oh, that's a cop-out answer. Very. I don't I don't know Kyler Murray. <laughs> We're not best friends. Pretend you I'm are not Kyler his, Murray. I'm not a family member. He doesn't talk to me but about what he does. Pretend you are him. I know what he does in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I know what he, well, I know what in he does football. in college <laughs> and what he could do in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He so easily could be an NFL quarterback Mm -hmm. and be a productive NFL quarterback. But we haven't seen him play baseball. Mm -hmm. You and I, I don't think, have watched him play baseball. I have not watched him play baseball, and I haven't haven't even watched any clips from him playing baseball. I'm going to watch Oklahoma. Like If he's playing for Oklahoma this baseball season, I'm going to watch a ton of Oklahoma baseball because I want to see how good he is at baseball. I'm I'm just going to be very honest with my answer. If he mm-hmm. wants to go play baseball, go play baseball. You're going to mm-hmm. be playing for the Oakland Athletics, and you're going to be a, a big chip um, and piece on a team that is definitely making some moves to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that now with the you you look at what um, the Mariners have done, they have said, "Whoosh, we don't want any good players anymore." Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're 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 breaking it down, and we're tanking. 
Tanking the, is coming to baseball. The Angels are still. Eh. We got Mike Trout, right? Um, that I mean, thank God for that. The Oakland Athletics mm-hmm. are a team that it will. I I I see them still being a good team Could win in their baseball. Division. Yes, and Kyler Murray would be going and well, playing for it. To, Pause. The Astros are in their division. They could be a wild card team in but, their division. But even look at the end, though. But even look at the end. Yeah. They were making a run where uh-huh. it was, ooh, who is going to win this division? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be too quick to say that they couldn't. But that's also what I'm going to make mention of, too, mm-hmm. is Kyler Murray could go and play for the Oakland Athletics and mm-hmm. play for a very competitive baseball team, a team that I think will probably still be competitive now and for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Or he could go and play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's a team that really doesn't look good at all. Their defense, all they do is talk. They don't actually play. And then their offense, where are the weapons? You've got Leonard Fournette. Okay, the, the, I named the weapons. What about the Giants? You he, mentioned he, the Jaguars. So I, know, I went. He, I, I, I'm, I'm trying just saying to he say, could also go to the Giants too, because they kind of need a quarterback. No, also. no, I understand. I understand yeah. that, but I used. I just used the Jaguars because that's who I threw out. That yeah. <laughs> I just used that um, team because mm-hmm. yeah, you you, yeah. you tossed it out there. Do you want to have the unknowing of mm-hmm. will I be good, and are you willing to wait? Or do you want to be good right away, mm-hmm. go to a team that's going to compete, and yes, you got lucky by being drafted by the A's. Mm-hmm. You could have been drafted by, insert team, oh, you could have been drafted by Baltimore, and, and things wouldn't have been the same. But I think that, I, I, I really think that he, he's making the best move. The smarter choice, And too. smarter choice by going over well, and playing baseball. And I'm going to define what I mean by that. And I'm going to kind of sound like a hypocrite because okay. A, I love watching football. B, it's my favorite sport. C, I'm on two podcasts that talk about football. So this is going to sound like a very hypocritical answer. Um, but it's also an answer that Kurt Warner has said, and he played the game of football for so many years, that when I become a parent someday... There is one sport that if I have a son, it will be the only sport that I will say there is no way you are playing that sport like professional, like not professionally, but there's no way you're playing that sport in peewees. There's no way you're playing that sport in high school. There's no way you're going on to college to play that sport. And that's football. I'm going to drive him to basketball, to um, soccer, to baseball. Hell, I would even drive him to try hockey first, even though hockey is a very expensive sport because you need all the equipment and the stick and the bag and the skates and the pad and the helmet and everything. It's a very expensive sport where basketball's a farly less expensive sport. You got sneakers, you got a ball, here's a hoop, and then you can play. I just think it's a smarter decision for Kyler Murray because not to say because of his height and his size – that he's going to get, like, ragdolled in the NFL because, like, you brought up Russell Wilson. He's of similar height. He's only one inch taller than Kyler Murray, and he's doing fine in the NFL. But Russell Wilson, we have also seen the reason he has avoided concussions and avoided the negative of football is, oh, shoot, there's this guy. I'm just going to outrun him in the backfield and (laughs) basically run in circles and run and run and run. Oh, Doug Baldwin's open. There you go. 
Like, that's the only reason why Russell Wilson has not been concussed to this point, because he just outruns everyone in the backfield and just makes time. Kyler Murray can do that. He shows those same skills. However, I just feel like with me, if I was Kyler Murray's parent and he had the choice like he does, baseball or football, I would be pushing him to baseball because for his health, it's a lot safer. It's a lot safer of a decision to play baseball. Could have a longer career. Than it is to play football. Yeah, could have a could longer career. Could potentially have I a mean, longer career, look yeah. look at Joe Maurer, how long his career has been. It feels like Joe Maurer has been in baseball my entire life. And, and Joe Maurer, <laughs> here's also the thing, too, is that Joe Maurer, he was a, mm-hmm. a career-long catcher. He changed positions. Until he changed to first and base. Length of if, his career. If... if and, and, and I'm going to say this because it was also something that was brought up with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. If it didn't go well for Kyler Murray and he needed to change from quarterback to wide receiver, could he do it and could it be effective in the NFL? Mm-hmm. The answer to that is I don't know. I don't know if he could. You know, people talked about Lamar Jackson doing that. Would Lamar Jackson be effective as a wide receiver? Well, you know what? Guys who are just pure athletes probably could do it. They would probably also be good at curling. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you can have the same type of thing like that, same type of change where you go from this position of quarterback, which is where you've always played, to a completely different position, let's say wide receiver, and and, and still be successful. Whereas in baseball, mm-hmm. you could go from playing – Left field to shortstop, and it not be so bad, and it not be that big of a transition. And Joe Maurer did pretty darn well from going from catcher, tough position to play, to first base, and tough position Kyler to play. Kyler Murray is an outfielder. So, so I mean, he, it's not like, and let's be honest, in some out, like if you're a corner outfielder, most of those are like, unless you're, if you're a left fielder, depending on the ballpark, Probably the easiest outfield spot to play. Like I, how I would rank it is left field's the easiest, right field's the second hardest, depending on what ballpark you in. Like a ballpark like Wrigley, you got to be skilled to play right field because you got to deal with that corner that comes into it. The hardest is center field because there's just so much ground for you to cover in center field. And then if I know they don't have it anymore, but like you get the obstacles like how they used to have in Houston with the little the little hill oh, yeah. out there, which they don't have anymore, but I always liked it because it always a little a little sense of excitement as they run up that hill to try to make that catch. I know it wasn't good for ankles or anything, and that's why they got rid of it, but still it was exciting for me as a fan. I just feel like the health reason this is it, and I want to flip this into the other side of I know there's excitement like what Dave asked. Could he be the next Bo Jackson where Bo Jackson did both? I'm going to play baseball all the way until it ends, and then I'm going to play football. Two reasons why that is different. Number one, Bo Jackson wasn't a quarterback. Plus, it was a different time in the NFL. But number one, he wasn't a quarterback. Ask any NFL team. Yeah, you're not going to get your quarterback until, let's say, the end of September or the end of October, middle of October, end of October, depending on how long his season goes. Like, if he goes to the World Series, you're not getting him back until maybe November. 
you want to not have your quarterback for almost the first half of the season? No way. Like it, it can't be done just because of the position that he plays in the NFL because of how important the quarterback position is. Number two, and this is what I want to ask you. Does this, will this be the first sign of the negative for football where we will see more guys help? They don't care that, hey, I'm going to be a first round draft pick in the NFL. I'm going to go play baseball or hell, I'm going to go like Antonio Gates. Take him, for example. And I know you can use other guys in this as well. If Antonio Gates said, I'm not going to play football, I'm going to go play basketball because he did. He played it in college. I'm going to go to the NBA instead of going to football because there's a lot less concussions in the NBA. Could this be the beginning of that for football where more kids choose baseball or basketball or anything over football because of just the injury kind of risk that you take from two guys running into each other and then colliding into each other at full speed? I'm going to go with no. And I'm going to go with no for for one of the reasons of, Ricky, what did you say? Football is your favorite sport. Mm-hmm. It's popular. You, 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 you love watching it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you love playing it as a kid. You, you love the, you know, the, the backyard pickup games. Mm-hmm. And if you were able to, I think you'd probably like to play it in the NFL. When I was a kid, yes. Now as an adult, I would go back and tell younger Ricky, don't even worry about it because you don't need you don't need concussions in your life. So I would say that's part of it. It's just so popular. Mm-hmm. People love it. Yeah. And guys are addicted to it. And if they have an opportunity to go into the NFL, make great money, mm-hmm. and play a game that they love, they're doing it. Also because not Every person is going to be that dual athlete. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's an Antonio Gates or a Jimmy Graham where they were great at basketball and then also good at football. Mm-hmm. And not everyone's going to be the Kyler Murray or the Russell Wilson that great at football and great at baseball. There, that's just that's not going to that's not going to happen. And that's also why I think that if a guy comes in and he's playing football, look at all look at all the guys who who. Look at all the things that have happened, all the concussions that have happened, all the guys that have been taken off the field on a stretcher. Mm-hmm. Most of them, okay. And most of them coming back and playing again. All these guys who are watching the NFL and coming from college and going to the NFL, they've seen that. Mm-hmm. If that didn't deter them, nothing's going to. Well, and this is kind of the big thing that kind of blows my mind with it and kind of shakes you could see this is a stereotype, but I'm going to say it anyways. Where Kyler Murray grew up and where he is playing football right now shocks me why he didn't pick football or why he hasn't picked football over baseball. Because Oklahoma? No, not just that. He was born in Texas, played played high school football in Texas, plays football in Oklahoma. Like, if you were to tell me high school, just high school alone, where is it? Where is football most popular on the high school level? Texas. Like, there are stories where you go into communities in Texas, and if it's a baby boy, they get a little football next to them in their crib. Like, it's just built into communities 
down there where, like, depending on how small the town is in Texas, they shut down. The stores shut down. Local businesses shut down on a Friday just to go to the game. Like, good luck doing anything that Friday because you're just going to go to the football game because that's the only thing open. Hey, I'm hungry. I'm just going to go to the concession stand at the football game because it's the only thing open right now because everyone shuts down and goes to the game. He grew up in that atmosphere, goes to Oklahoma where football is still very, very popular and still chooses baseball over the NFL. Like that is to me the most shocking part of it because if anything of where he grew up alone, he like you would expect him to pick football over baseball. And it's like for me, I the question of should he, yet again, I'm like you. I don't know Kyler Murray. I'm not Kyler Murray, but if I was Kyler Murray, I would choose baseball over the NFL right now just because of the injury. And I know what you're saying. Like, there are some injuries where guys come back fine. But to me, the big one is concussions. And I know what the position he plays and how elusive he is. He might be able to avoid those from happening. But you don't know what's going to happen. Hell, in baseball, you don't know what to say. He could tear his ACL running from home to first or tear a hamstring. And, and we hope he does He's out for the year. We hope he doesn't. But, I mean, injuries can happen anywhere. However, you don't see as many terrible, life-threatening injuries after baseball players retire. We only are hearing those horror stories from football players after they retire. And it's like, man, all these hits that I took. I really could wish I could go back and be like, hey, I'm not going to take as many hits in my life. And that's why, for me, I feel like it's a better decision for him to pick baseball over the NFL. I think that at the end of the day, it's it's just the decision that he ultimately wants to do. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? What do you want to do more? What are you going to enjoy more? He's going to he's going to make probably good money on both sides. Mm-hmm. Football, he'd probably make more bigger contract mm-hmm. baseball. He'll still probably make uh, good good money. Baseball, uh, there's no salary, uh, especially especially in uh, de- de- depending on how good he ends up being. If he becomes he'll, like he'll, a Bryce Harper, he'll type make some player, good money. If he becomes a Bryce Harper type player, baseball is the best decision for him because there's no salary. And, and I don't I don't know. I, but here's also the thing too is that I don't know what his mm-hmm. salary was to. For, to to be uh, with the Oakland Athletics, uh, that's something I was just going to look up now. But I think you're probably doing that. Yeah. Um. He would make more money right away in football. I think five million dollar contract. Okay, so that's small. Um. He would make more money in the NFL right away than he would in the MLB, and he could have multiple years in the NFL. I mean, look at Jamarcus Russell. He made mm-hmm. a ton of money in the NFL. He was garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to. The the major league baseball, you could go in for a year. Then if you're sent, if you struggle, you could go down to the minors. You know, and you're you're sent down there. You're you're kind of you're not having that same success. You're not getting that same paycheck. Yeah, it's gonna pay him close to five million guaranteed for his first year. I mean, that's I mean that's great. Obviously, that that's mm-hmm. that's great money, but compared to what you could be making in the NFL, it's it's small. Mm-hmm. Let me see if there's a. Oh, let's see if he's on spot rack yet. Ooh, they do. 
Ooh, yeah. So the reason why it's like that as of right now is because he's technically minor league status. Yeah. Um, so the exact contract is going to be $4,660 guaranteed for one year. Um, and then he'll be an unrestricted free agent after this year because of how, I guess, baseball contracts um, work out. But any final thoughts on this before we move on into our picky-poos for the I think bowl games? I think it's really an interesting topic, and I think it's something interesting to discuss. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see guys changing and going with the sport because there could be less of an injury. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think they're going to go with the sport that they ultimately love playing. It's, because so many, so like I, like my mm-hmm. example before, they've seen the injuries. They know they can happen. Still doing it. Yeah, no, there is that. But it's not, hopefully it's not like um, ex-North Carolina coach with Fedora of like, oh, they don't exist. No, coach, they do exist. But, I mean, for me, I just think that-wise it's a – Better decision maybe to play football or play baseball than go over into football. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. Is he dumb for picking baseball over football? Should he do both? Is he smart? Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. And, Brandon, let's end the podcast doing what we don't always do because we didn't do it last week because there was no top 25 games. But it's the most wonderful time of the year and it is bowl season here for college football before we get into our picks first off thank you guys for checking out the picks if you're on youtube also if whether you're on youtube whether you're on itunes and podcast services around the world go down into the into the description if i can get the words out of my mouth it's been a long podcast so far Make sure to join our Bowl Mania group. It should be live or should be made. I'm making it after the podcast. It'll be down below in the description. Brandon and I will make one. Hopefully you guys make one. We get to see the who is the best. And Brandon, the thing I want to ask you is for the Bowl Mania pickums, should I do the confidence meter where basically it's not just straight picks. It's you make your picks and then you rank them in order of confidence. So like 30, if you get that one, you get 30 points and then rank them that way. Or should we just do straight picks for the ball mania? You could do the confidence Raider. We'll do the confidence Raider. So not only will you make your picks, you will organize them in your most confident to least confident. My most confident will probably be Alabama versus Oklahoma. Cause I really don't think Oklahoma is going to win that game, but we've got one, two, three, four, five games this week. Kicking off bowl season. All of them happening this Saturday, December 15th. And Brandon, let's get right into it, buddy. The first one, the Auto Nation Cure Bowl. It's going to be Tulane, 6-6. Six and six. It's going to be Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, as I like to call them. I know it's the Raging Cajuns. I just like saying Cajuns. Louisiana, Tulane. Who you got in this one, 6-6 six and six or 7-6? Seven and six? Well, you know, taking a look at this and really diving inside the numbers, which I did on both of these teams. <laughs> just kidding. Who literally cares? Um, no one. Brandon uh, hates I'm, bowl season. I'm going with Tulane. Nice. I am actually, and I put this in before you made your pick, 
So it's not. I'm just not going against you to be against you. I'm going to go with Louisiana in this one to get the win in Orlando, Florida, Camping World Stadium. I know Tulane is the three-and-a-half-point favorite, but I'm going with Louisiana and the Raging Cajuns to get the win over the green wave of Tulane. Then an interesting matchup, the New Mexico Bowl in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The 10-2 Aggies from Utah State. The green, the mean green, I believe, from North Texas. Yep, the mean green from North Texas, who are 9-3. and three. Who are you going with, the Aggies or the mean green? I'm going to go with Utah State. They've right. had a pretty solid season. Uh, they had a tough loss to Boise State, but... I think that this Utah State team has been strong all year. North Texas, they have been too. I picked North Texas earlier this season to beat Rice. They did. Picked Utah State earlier this year. I can't remember who they beat, but they did. Uh, so I'm going to go with Utah State and hope that it doesn't backfire. Yeah, I'm going to go again. I'm going to go with you. So it doesn't matter if it backfires because I'm picking the Aggies as well to get the win over the Mean Green. Then we've got in the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. In Las Vegas, Nevada, Arizona State, Herm Edwards, his first bowl game with the Sun Devils, will be playing the 11-2 Bulldogs from Fresno State. Who are you going with, ASU or Fresno State? I'm going to go with ASU. I'm going to go with Herm Edwards. He, I don't think, at the at the beginning of the season, I didn't think that this Arizona State team was going to amount to much. Well, they've amounted to much more than I think myself or even maybe you, mm-hmm. or a lot of other people believe that they would. Fresno State has the better record, but Arizona State has had the better opponents throughout the year. I think that uh, Arizona State gets the win. Now, I almost wanted to go at Fresno State. The only reason why is because Nikhil Harry is not playing in this game. He said, I'm going to the draft, coach. You guys have fun in Las Vegas. I'm going to go and get ready for the NFL draft because I'm leaving college early. And because of that, I was almost like I'm going to pick Fresno State, but I did not have the cojones to do so. I am going to take Arizona State along with Brandon. Did not mention before this, I am 10 games behind you. You're at 218 games correct. I'm at 208 games correct because I believe I gained a game on you in the championship week from two weeks ago. So I'm trying to strategic, a little George W. Bush stand, a little strategery going on here to try playing a little stratego trying to get uh, some of these games back so that I can finish one game, at least one game ahead of you when it's all said and done. Next game, we've got the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl, my favorite bowl game. I don't even care if I say Camellia wrong. I just like saying it that way. We've got Georgia Southern. They're a one-point favorite going up against the Eastern Michigan, who is and 7-5. Who you got, Georgia Southern or Eastern Michigan? I'm going Georgia Southern. Yes, I'm going Eastern Michigan. That was just one where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go Eastern Michigan. I know that Georgia Southern is that one-point favorite, but in these games, I got that little inkling, that little inkling, Brandon, that uh, Eastern Michigan will pull this one off because really in these games, it's a coin flip. It's just a coin flip for most of these small ones. And that's why they're so worthless. And then Middle Tennessee and Appalachian State going at it in the R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl. I mean, again, listen to the names. R&L Carriers. Who the hell are they? In the Mercedes-Benz Super Bowl, who you got? Middle Tennessee or Appalachian State? Appalachian State. I'm done. Yeah, that's who who I was going to go with. Um, The the one I told you to uh, prepare for, though, is next week, the first one we're going to start off with, just so they know and you know, is going to be UAB versus 
NIU. And you gotta you gotta think long and hard, Brandon, about who you're gonna pick in that one because usually when you pick NIU, they lose. And usually when you don't pick NIU, they win. It's kind of like a uh, a little brother to uh, Oklahoma State, who we will actually be picking one of their games as they play Mizzou in one of the bowls this season. But any final thoughts on our picks? We only got five of them this week. It feels kind of small. Felt nice. And the funny thing is, we cannot do a non-top 25 because all we've got is bowl games. And this is it. I mean, I guess we could do like the Division Two games, but I don't want to no, pick we're Division good. Two playoff games. No. Hey, maybe NIA, NIA playoffs, are those still going on? Or are we in uh, championship mode? I don't know. I think that they're. they're I think they're getting I think ready they're for coming the championship. Up. I think they're coming up. This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Who you got winning this first week of bowl games? Also, don't forget to join our bowl mania. That group should be down below in the comment section or, or down below in the description because I should have it somewhere up there. Also, I'm going to give it to Sean to put it on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. You'll find it there as well. want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure to check out Patreon. That's where you can help support us. We can keep doing these awesome podcasts for you. Make sure to help support us by getting an MVP shirt. You can do that down below or at mostvalvepodcast.com where you can catch MVP each and every day. And last but not least, did we get a rate during the podcast? Yes or no, Brandon? What do you think? Did Was somebody so gracious that they basically no. were like, I'm going to read Ricky's mind. No, they didn't. And I'm going to rate the podcast while they are recording the podcast, nope, Tutu Boivier is still <laughs> the last rate that we got. He gave us a five-star thank you, Tutu Boivier, for the rate and review. want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. want to thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.